Well, I just want to say welcome back to week four of our worship series, Melt Us, Mold Us, Fill Us, and Use Us. We are continuing to examine the ways that uh, the Lord continues to melt and mold and fill and use us as we are being molded more and more into the image of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, uh, our lesson came from the Hebrew scriptures, and again, we are looking at the Hebrew scriptures, and again, at another, another one of God's messengers uh, who is speaking the word to God's people. Last Sunday, our lesson came from uh, Jeremiah, one of the major prophets who prophesied, who preached uh, to the people, spoke God's word for about 40 years from 627 to 586 BCE. That was until the Babylonians uh, conquered Judah, uh, sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took many exiles back back to, uh, uh, to, uh, to Babylon. Now this week, we're looking at Amos, the book of Amos. And Amos is considered one of the minor prophets. Now, major and minor prophets was a term that was first used by Augustine uh, in the 6th century. It has nothing to do with their importance. It's all about the length of their writings. And so the the longer writings of Jeremiah and Isaiah and and, uh, Ezekiel and Daniel are considered, they're considered uh, major prophets. But there are many more minor prophets, including Amos. And Amos preached from uh, a message uh, as important then as it, it's as important today as it was then, and he preached 2,700 years ago. Now, as we continue to talk a little bit about introduction and difference between Jeremiah and uh, Amos, uh, the la- the political landscape in Amos's time was was very different than in uh, Jeremiah, who we spoke about last week. You uh, probably already know that following the, uh, the death of uh, one of uh, 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 his son, King David's son, Solomon, the uh, kingdom of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, north and south. The northern kingdom was also called Israel. The southern kingdom was, all, was also called uh, Judah. And uh, it's, uh, the northern kingdom existed uh, until 722, when uh, the uh, Assyrians came and uh, defeated Israel, the northern kingdom, and they uh, took exiles of, of Israel throughout the Assyrian Empire. And really, none of those people ever made their way home again. Uh, and it's about 150 years before uh, Jeremiah, that uh, uh, that uh, Amos is speaking, and he's speaking before the destruction of the northern kingdom in 722. He probably preached for only about five years from 760 to 755 BCE. And one of the things that makes, uh, when we read, you'll uh, Amos's message, one of the things that makes it so very hard to hear uh, God speaking is things were going so well uh, politically, economically, for most, uh, at least the upper class, 
the ruling class in uh, the Northern Kingdom. I particularly have a strong affiliation for uh, Amos. Uh, Amos was a second uh, career uh, prophet. Uh, he will uh, tell us that uh, he was a herdsman and a tender of sycamore trees uh, before hearing God's call. So certainly I have some affinity for, for Amos, uh, but also uh, his message as well. And so normally uh, we are singing our uh, uh, prayer for illumination this morning. You don't want me to do that, let me tell you. Uh, so we're gonna pray, uh, but we're gonna use some of the words that we have been singing uh, during this series from spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. So let's pray together as we prepare to read God's word. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Fill us, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us as we hear your word. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from Amos chapter 7, verses 7 through 17. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate. And the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to King Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the very center of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah. Earn your, earn your bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered Amaziah, I am no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and even a dresser of sycamore trees. And the Lord took me from following the flock. And the Lord said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, Thus says the Lord, your wife shall become a prostitute in the city and your sons and your daughters shall fall by the sword and your land shall be parceled out by line. You yourself shall die in an unclean land and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're number one. 
we're number one. Have you ever said that? Have you ever shouted that before? Maybe you were on a championship basketball team or baseball team or softball team or a chess or debate team or a marching band that won a reward and you shouted in glorious celebration, we're number one, we're number one. Maybe it was something that you shouted on October the 30th, 2019, as the Washington Nats won the the World Series in game seven, or in 2018, as the Capitals won the Stanley Cup. Now, until the University of Virginia men's basketball team won the Division I National Championship in April of 2019, the date that comes to mind when, when I thought of where number one is November the 3rd, 1990. The University of Virginia football team was 7-0. and And for three glorious weeks, we were ranked number one in the nation. And then number 16, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets came to Charlottesville for homecomings. And UVA was number one until Georgia Tech's Scott Sissom kicked a 37-yard field goal with seven seconds left in the game. And UVA finished with three out of the, the next four losses in their schedule, and they finished number 23 in the AP polls. We're number 23 just doesn't sound quite the same as we're number one. Our scripture this morning, though, is asking the question, who's number one? The Lord asks Amos, what do you see? And the Lord says, see, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people, Israel. I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid to waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. The prophet brings a powerful message of warning and urgency. But how is this message received? How would you describe how the message of God is received by the people of the Northern Kingdom? With joy? Well, no, it certainly wasn't with joy. With sadness? Well, not exactly that either, was it? Amos' words from the Lord are more of a nuisance and an opinion to be canceled out. God's word through Amos is hardly heard, hardly considered. We don't hear from Israel, thank you, Lord, for sending your prophet Amos, for giving us yet another chance to live faithfully in covenant with you. We don't hear, thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace and and drawing us back to you once again. We never hear, help us to understand how you're calling us to live. Instead, we hear the priest of Bethel, Amaziah, twist Amos' words as he gives his report to King Jeroboam of Israel. And we hear the priest's response to Amos, O seer, go, flee away to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there 
and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary. It's the temple of the kingdom. Amos is threatened and he's accused of disloyalty in those words. 250 years before Amaziah's words, the prophet Samuel had warned about such a perspective arising in the promised land. The people of Israel wanted a king because all the other nations were ruled by a monarch. But Samuel tries to remind the people that Yahweh, your God, was your king. And the Lord Yahweh told Samuel, listen to the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now then listen to their voice only. You shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. Amaziah's words to Amos reflect a, a growing rejection of God. Amos, Amaziah says that it's not God's temple, but it's the temple of the kingdom. It's the king's sanctuary. It's not the Lord's. And Amaziah questions Amos' motives. Amaziah charges Amos with prophesying for selfish reasons, for money, for a payoff. And he says, flee to the land of Judah. There, eat bread. In other words, he says, go back to Judah and tell them what you have preached to Israel, and they're going to love it. They love hearing bad things about their enemy, Israel. They're going to fill your basket with amazing offerings, and you can go on a speaking tour, and you can write a book, and Amos, you're going to be rich. Now, if Amos was not a true man of God, he would have and if he had not made God already number one in his life, he might have swallowed that enticement from Amaziah, just as Amaziah already had. But Amos, he takes his call seriously. And just like God has called all of us, yes, God has called all of us, perhaps not to be prophets, but God has called all of us. Amos took seriously a plumb line lined up against his life and up against his heart. And I wonder if, if we were serious about this scripture, what would it be like if God would hold up a plumb line against our lives and up against our hearts? Would our lives and our hearts be shown to be true? Or would they be shown to be crooked and twisted? Would, they, would we be shown living and, and flowing with grace and hope and justice and mercy? Or 
you know, as we worship God by what we do, but also by what we don't do. Amos takes seriously a, a plumb line up next against his life and up against his heart. And so should we. We need to ask who's number one. Now, if you don't already realize that Amos is something of a plumb line for you and for me, we need to hear and we need to see Amos' example of truth-telling, his courage, and his faith. We need a reminder of his courage, his faith. We need a reminder as followers of Jesus Christ that each of us, needs to be attentive to God's calling so that we don't get things twisted or lose our way. And the good news for you and for me is that we don't have to stay in the shadows or we don't have to shy away from allowing God through the Holy Spirit to hold up that plumb line against our lives and against our hearts. You see, with God, there's always the chance for change, for forgiveness, for mercy, for redemption, for a new start, a fresh start, for a chance to repent and to turn around, for healing, and to accept our calling. May we accept our calling to live true to be prophets for God. Yes, you and I as prophets that speak God's word and to walk alongside one another, but also with others in this world. To give a voice to those who have no voice and to sure that God is number one. And we first, of course, need to begin in our own lives. And of course, to love like Jesus. Legend has it that during the first century, a wealthy merchant traveled throughout the Mediterranean seeking to meet with a well-known Pharisee named the Apostle Paul. The, the merchant first encountered Paul's protege, Timothy, before he was able to meet Paul. But Timothy set up a, a meeting, and Paul was in, in prison at the time in, in Rome. And when the merchant stepped into the cell, the merchant was surprised to find a rather old man, physically frail, but who, whose serenity and magnetism challenged the visitor. And they spoke for hours in that dark and damp cell. Finally, the merchant left with Paul's blessing. Once out of the, out of the prison, the man asked Timothy this. He said, what is the secret of that man's power? I've never seen anything like it before. Do you not guess, replied Timothy? Paul is in love. 
surprised by Timothy's response. The merchant asked, in love? In love? Yes, replied Timothy. Paul is in love with Jesus Christ. The merchant looked even more bewildered. And he asked Timothy, is that all? And smiling, Timothy replied, sir, that is everything. Indeed, it is everything. Come, Holy Spirit, melt us, mold us, fill us, and use us. Open our hearts. Open them wide. Open our lives. That there, Jesus may be number one. Amen.